patience. You may remember that last time my sterling narration of the bloody battle caught on our surveillance cams was interrupted by the silky sprays of former porter Ariadne. Well, we could take her betrayal. We could take her transformation into a giant spider hybrid. But I will not have her getting in the way of a good fight between children and monkeys. And also now we're operating blind, which makes it very difficult for the porters to navigate the shifting corridors. Patience. She must be taken out. Harry has an idea. He recalls that only two years ago there were rumours of a resident minotaur who patrolled the Labyrinthian Hospital. But he hasn't been seen in a long while. Perhaps this is partly responsible for why the spiders have managed to spread their control so widely. And as he recalled, there's something in the annals of history about Ariadne and a minotaur. That's why I've been tasked with producing this History of London Hospital special, as we delve into the archives to try and find clues that might give us an advantage over our thread-weaving antagonist. First of all, in some of Jean, head of staff in Ajar's old reports, I found this response to a press inquiry. It begins... To whom it may concern. Oh, I hate letters like that. Why don't you just say hi? Anyway, they ask, We have received reports from some of your more unlucky neighbours that they regularly hear a bellowing coming from within the hospital walls. Our newspaper tried to interview some former patients to ask them about this. But we couldn't find any outside of a graveyard. Could you please respond to rumours that you are either harbouring or torturing some form of beast? Sincerely, Moxie Sinclair the Rag. Jean replies, Dear Boxie, Of course we aren't housing any beasts like minotaurs, vampires or elves. The sound which you describe as bellowing is simply the result of sound vibrations coming from tectonic movements which happen sporadically as the corridors depart from the space in which they formerly existed. I hope this clears matters up and I enclose a voucher for 50% off a non-corrective surgery of your choice. Sincerely, Jean, Head of Staff, London Hospital. But that doesn't seem to be the end of the correspondence, Patience, because there's another letter. To whom it makes... Oh, she's still doing that. Perhaps I'm being naive, but in what way could there be tectonic movements beneath your foundations in London? And what exactly do you mean by corridors departing? Could we arrange a call to discuss this further? You can reach me at my office at The Rag. Sincerely, Moxie Sinclair. Then there's a written note on top of this letter which simply says, Too many cues refer to FP. Who I presume is Freddie Prince Jr. Or would that be FPJ? 
Anyway, patience, it seems possible that the monster never existed and is just a sound effect, like a heart monitor or a popping champagne cork. Let's see what else we dug up. Next, in the pictorial archives of the London Hospital Museum, I found several images from the early 20th century in which sickly-looking children are placed inside a large bronze bull. I immediately thought this must be relevant, but couldn't figure out what was going on, so I gathered my team of experts... Dr. Bolliox and Lunch Lazy Lavinia, and this is what we've come up with. Dr. Bolliox maintains that it was an early oxygen tank or incubator. He recalls that as a child he would be taken to the Isle of Dogs, and you could pay a penny to be taken along the mill wall to see the bull babies. They would have been too sickly to survive if it hadn't been for the invention of the protective bronze bulls and the tourist funds that kept them going. I asked why they couldn't just use boxes, but all he said was showmanship, then returned to his colour therapy healing with our only patient, who is still in a coma. Lunch Lady Lavinia, on the other hand, says that she recalls her mother telling her that they used to use brazen bulls to punish the children's ward, which sounds a lot more realistic to me. They would light a fire under the bronze bull and put the child inside to steam over what they had done. This is also the origin of the word bully, referring to the child who had been in the bull. If they made it back out, that is. Either way, I think we have another candidate for our Minotaur myth. As part of my research, I delved into the musical archives and found this old folk song recorded by a local band called Folked Up in Finsbury Park. The sleeve notes say, This is a traditional song of unknown origin, but is believed to originate from the ritual practice of bull leaping. Young men and women of the region would test their athleticism and daring by leaping over a rampant bull. It was a dangerous practice, but the victors were showered with honour. There are cave paintings celebrating the most skilled leapers all along the Victoria line. So, patience, it's possible that the stories of a bull man are derived in some way from this practice. Let's have a listen now to that song. It's called Toss Yourself O'er the Horny Man. Come sisters, come brothers, gather round if you can. It's time to toss yourself or the horny man. Take a running leap and let, let yourself, yourself fly. fly. On wax and wings you will soar to the sky. Come sisters, come brothers, come all of your clan. It's time to toss yourself or the horny man. He charges the labyrinth, don't get caught in his trap. 
He's an angry old bullock and a horny young chap. Come sisters, come brothers, it's tide we began. It's time to toss yourself for the horny man. Take a running leap and let yourself fly. Don't get gored on his horn or you're likely to die. That was cheery. I liked it. And that concludes the three pieces of research I managed to find. Oh, hang on. There's something else here. A couple of pages that seem to be torn out of something. But I didn't find these. Who put this here? Lavinia? Bollyocks? Harry? Hmm. You know how books have a smell? There's something about this one. The scent is bringing back a memory. It makes my head swirl. And the writing, it's elaborate in verse. And the paper is thick and yellow. Patience, I know what this is from. It's torn from the book of the hospital. Oh, maybe I shouldn't touch it. The last time I encountered this book, while well, I was gone for two years, you'll remember that, I was transported somehow. Not in an all-libraries-are-magic-aren't-books-wonderful way, actually transported before Harry found me again in a world that had so many screaming media outlets that a simple podcast radio station like this would surely never be heard of. I'm hesitant to pick those pages up again, but what if it has the answers we need? Patience, I shall recite them to you, but if you hear an ethereal whooshing, let me know. Minus now chief among physicians, had come to lead the London Hospital, renowned city temple of healing. He ruled with wife and administrator, pacify she of books and numbers. Among their staff they shared in glorious wealth, and nightly feasted on calves and capons. There came one day a dwarf of low renown, by Grimio name who dreamt of being large. He asked for Minus' help in highest gain, offering a bullock for his mighty skill. Theseus, head of pharmacology, brewed a draught of tea made of rough bark, ripped from the highest and oldest tree. Minus administered to Grimio, and lo, the dwarf became a giant man. Well pleased was he, and to payment he gave Pacify, a handsome bull of white. She doted so upon the beast, that thoughts of slaughter and feasting had gone. But not for the hungry hospital staff, who craved their nightly bounty for their work, and angered at this administrator. Minus accepted his wife's peaceful wish, and let the bull roam freely in the grounds. 
Phisaeus heard the raging hospital staff, and pleaded for their rightful bullock stakes, but Pacify would not relent, and so Phisaeus hatched a plan of grim revenge. He pulled a potent draught of love potion, and slipped into the drink of Pacify, whereon her love was charged not for Minus, but bull of shining white and hoof and horn. She searched the costume store of Panto's past, when season's jollity at full brim, and found the speckled cow, both head and rear. Pacify crawled inside upon all fours, and went outside in search of her beloved. She presented herself before the beast, and tempted him to mate upon the grass. With grunts and stomps and onlookers appalled, the administrator brought low and mad. Thysaeus' cruel intent had come to pass, but fate had determined that there be more, for Pacify was now with child enlarged. Years passed and still she nursed the bullock babe, unconcerned with his hybrid visage. She named him Asterion, for his star shone brightly in her heart with all her love. But hospital staff thought it ungodly, and still they harboured rage and ill intent. A rebellion had grown abroad, led by Thysaeus, head of pharmacy. Pacify begged Minus to protect the lovely beast she thought so holy now. The chief physician employed Daedalus, architect of hospital and master of invention, to create a space where it might roam without fear of reprise. Daedalus worked through the night in dark, and all did wonder how he'd shape the grounds, whereupon he returned to Minus, with news of his great boundary-breaking task. I have, he said, broken the laws of space. No more will your son fear rebellion, he now masters the shifting corridors. Half man, half bull, he owned the labyrinth, and grew to myth as Minotaur, so feared. Staff were no more free to roam about, but needed deedless instruction. His trusted porters guided them about, lest they be lost and never seen again. This enraged Thysaeus even more, and he strategized to reclaim power. A second child had Minus and his wife, one Ariadne fair and beautiful. His aim to seduce her and take control by hunting down the beast, poor Minotaur. She fell under his spell and let it slip that corridors could be traversed with thread. A scarlet reel she wove from blood-stained wool would keep one on a true path of return. He took the spool and set upon his path, hearing bellows from the tortured soul, who knew his time to fight was soon arrived. It said that patients all throughout the wards could hear the cries and clashes through the night, and in the morning, when only the birds were heard upon the hospital again, 
the Zeus came bloodied with victory. Ariadne greeted him with love, wherein he spurned her and left her behind, to face the cruel truth of her betrayal. Theseus and his loyal staff departed, setting up their rival pharmacy, and into legend they did all retreat, with blood, ambition, and poisonous hearts. Ariadne sought comfort elsewhere, with physician-student Dionysus. Drunk on wine they were morning and night, and fell again into oblivion. Pacify on hearing all this news, family lost, could no more endure, climbing to the hospital bell tower, let go her grip, and found her peace below. It is said that when Minos met his death, he would not unlock the shifting grounds, lest, he said, some other should find need for respite in the Minotaur's vast maze. Asterion, my star, not be forgot. Well, Patience, I have questions and thoughts. Wherein is the truth? Wherein is the rest of the book? If Theseus killed the Minotaur, then... You know, I think they can wait for another time. I'll just say, Patience, take care of yourself, or I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs>